Hello, and welcome back to the Security Metrics Podcast. I'm Jen Stone. I'm one of the principal security analysts here at Security Metrics, and I'm very excited today to talk to uh, Donna Grindle with uh, Carden and also the Help Me With HIPAA podcast and various other things. I'm going to let her tell you all about herself and about this great new program. And it's actually not super new, but um, it's really starting to gain momentum, which is the 405D program that the, um, the the U.S. government is putting together, HHS, to help people who really need to figure out how to do this and where to get their start. Dono, welcome back. I am so excited to talk to you again. Uh, I, for people who um, are unfamiliar with you, I'd love for them to understand your background, um, experience, kind of why HIPAA is something that you're so passionate about. So, so if you could just kind of give us a rundown on how you got to here in your career, that would be terrific. Awesome. Uh, thanks for having me. And you, that was a very nice way to say, how does anyone get that excited about HIPAA? I get it. <laughs> kind of a little bit. It. Like some people don't even know that it's actually a really cool cybersecurity field. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So tell me about it. Well, as, as I often say when I'm doing course, training classes with folks, I got my start well into the previous century. <laughs> um, that makes it sound so I, long ago. <laughs> well. <laughs> kind of was. <laughs> it kind of was. Uh, you know, back when computers were this whole thing that you had to explain to people why you were even going into computers. Uh, and then... Uh, I somehow stumbled into working in healthcare uh, for a software company starting in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so but, what you're saying is you've been in this field for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing this for a while. It was, uh, I wrote software to do uh, uh, private practice management kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, billing and all of that but my 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 key thing was um electronic claims okay and and all kinds of data integration because i i had my one other gig before that was uh uh writing those cutting edge uh ach transactions <laughs> so they're like oh you're doing this um and, and and what so a lot I, of people don't know is that that um, transactional claims is actually the foundation for HIPAA. People think that HIPAA is just the privacy related yeah. to um, health health information, but it's it's actually not. Yeah, HI doesn't even stand for health information, <laughs> privacy. None of that is in there. I mean, the original. Uh, um, well, in 1996, when it was signed. And then you have people that'll talk about HIPAA uh, that they were doing a notice of privacy practices in 1986 uh, and I'm like, that's impossible. Uh -huh. We didn't have them then. Didn't exist. Didn't exist. We didn't have them until the 2000s. So there's a lot of history, I think. Maybe I should do a history class on, on HIPAA. But because I was in that electronic claims world, when they started talking about HIPAA, a key element of the administrative standards were, and still is, uh, data standards. Mm -hmm. yeah. So ANSI, HL7, all of that stuff comes out of those standards. And, and ICD-10 
most people don't know when we switched to ICD-10, mm-hmm. uh, that was under the HIPAA transaction code set standards. Right. And so a lot of what I was doing related to just that part. And uh, I, as a, you know, as a wee child, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> so you were six years old when you were. <laughs> uh-huh. I started, I started, I was one of those. Uh, but. I, I had, you know, over the years moved into other roles and not just the developer, but that is still to this day. I can like the minute somebody's talking about how they're moving data from here to here and what different standards they're using. And, I you know, it's like I want to take a, a, a some time off so I can go spend time learning fire. I just that a F H I R part. But, but those are the new standards. And so that was really my thing. But by the time the company that I work for, uh, which back in the day, it was a company called Millard Wayne. It's a whole funny story. There's a lot of stories with that. But they were part of a big roll-up in the mania stuff. Uh, I was VP of the company when that happened. And, you know, I'm a kid from a small farm I'm not suited well for a lot of things and middle management in a huge roll up of like, I think there were like 20 different companies that were all together. And I'm like, I'm not suited for this. That's my nightmare job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I learned the hard way that it was also mine. And uh, so I went out on my own in uh, and officially formed the company Cardin. It was Mm -hmm. Cardin Group is the official company name, uh, K-A-R-D-O-N, I am the Don. <laughs> but uh, And what does Cardin do? Like it's, it's all related to the healthcare industry and data yes. and security. Yes. So, so tell me a little bit more about what Cardin I was doing. does. Yeah, so that's what, when I went out on my own, I was doing this data consulting and helping people get data from point A to point B and I was loving it. And, and, you know, like anything else, you evolve with the times. And so I was consulting with, uh, you know, okay, well, all of these different companies, cause that was the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, is 2003 is when the privacy rule came into play. Yeah. And that's when we finally started seeing notice of privacy practices. Yes. And so I was advising people on a good bit of that because I was already in there learning things. I'm used to reading those things, you know, manuals and guides and out guidelines and, and then putting them into practice. It was just no, a normal, you know, progression for me because that was a need. Mm-hmm. And then in 2005, the security rule comes into play. Yep. So that added even more of a need because I've always been you know, across the board in IT, you know, I could build a network and, and, and write code and, and all of those things. Uh, so I was just doing it all. And, and I've slowly then progressed into uh, having a small business managed service provider company. And then it was really doing that and just, you know, a little consulting and, and trying to decide what I'm going to do next. 
And then high tech came out, which totally changed all the rules because it put teeth into HIPAA, yeah. which had never been there. Because when I'm teaching people to do, <laughs> I always love the question of, well, what happens if I don't do this security stuff? Mm. Your patient's data gets exposed. Yeah. But what happens to me? Because yeah, what's me. the the driver behind why I should put time and yeah. money into HIPAA? Well, basically, <laughs> high tech. It's a big fat nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, until high tech, it really wasn't anything that that people were nah. motivated to do. There was no enforcement. Right now, there were a few good companies that actually took it to heart and said, "This matters. We care about our patients' data." There are still great companies out there that that's the driving force behind what they do is caring about the patient. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite, yeah. but for those who just want to talk about bottom line, high tech mm -hmm. said, hey, here's how we're going to hit your bottom line. And so yeah. occasionally I'll get people say, all right, um, hey, we, we want to look at HIPAA, but can we also look at high tech? I'm like, well, those two are now inextricable. That is not, yeah. it, you're not They're talking about two different things. High tech things. made changes to HIPAA. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, so can you evaluate together. me for just HIPAA? That's not a thing anymore. High tech no, applied <laughs> some real, um, real consequences to the, the HIPAA rules. Yeah. yeah, and it made it tougher. Yeah, right. It, you know, it like locked things down and said, finally, oh, business associates, you really are liable. Yeah, you yeah. you are separate and equally liable. Mm -hmm. And by the way. The work you do makes you a business associate. So avoiding signing a contract means nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It defined who is responsible for patient data and it, and it doesn't let you wiggle out of it just because you're not going to sign an agreement. It's tough. You're gonna, yeah. If you're going to handle patient data for um, a covered entity, then you are a business associate regardless. And if you don't sign the paper as a business associate, that means you're already in violation and could already, you know, get some of these uh, consequences. So, so um, yeah. I'm I love that that high tech got put into place and put teeth into things because it, it it gives it makes the decision making. Am I going to spend mm -hmm. money on the security control or am I not? You sure are. <laughs> Well, you know, but the thing is, it's still that people go in there and they're like, oh, there's this, you know, that's the whole thing. To most people, what they heard when high tech came out was million dollar fine. Oh, yeah. You know, that was really all they heard. And really, that's not it. Yeah. No. And that's the, that's like so far down the road of what you should be worrying about today. But Thankfully, it was in place by the time things really did. I remember some. Well, now the other little caveat there is, is that high tech was signed in two thousand nine, but it's still not all of it fully implemented. Well, the, and the so in, here's where where it's different. Mm -hmm. Laws and regulations take time to put into place, right? This isn't a standard. Um, there, there's standards like NIST is a standard and CIS and P PCI is a standard. There are standards that um, people can follow, but then the law is like, hey, lawmakers are going to use kind of high-level language, and then the rulemaking kind of solidifies that. But then to really know what it is, 
it has to <laughs> people have to violate it and then and then we get to hear about why settlements were big or small you know what what are the things that that are actually being looked for before mm-hmm. those those um fines or settlements uh get put into place right oh it's 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 so you know, when I, t- I try to teach business owners, because I spend a lot of time trying to educate the business owners that this isn't about regulations. This isn't about what this is, is business risk management. Yeah. This is what it is. And and we say, focus on protecting your patient data, your business information, your employee data, all of those things. And then you use regulations like, uh, you know, the PCIs and the high tech and the HIPAA whatnot to prove you're doing the bare minimum. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, a a lot of organizations have a pretty good handle on business risk management. There's some that just don't have it yet. But but this is, uh, you know, farther down the road on that. But where they still continue to struggle is third-party risk management. And mm-hmm. and what high-tech did it was allow a pathway to really evaluate the business associates that, that uh, a covered entity is using a- as part of their third-party risk management program. Well, not just that, but it also made it clear that the subcontractors of the business associates were business associates. Yeah. And that the subcontractor, you know, and so the, the tale continued until... There was no PHI in sight. Right. And so you could be three or four links down that tail and not realize you're in it. Yeah. <laughs> Just to finish on the whole Cardin thing, I eventually uh, decided I was either getting out of healthcare altogether or had to go all in on HIPAA. Mm-hmm. And I was going through that and I explained, <laughs> as you know, do like a good business owner and hire a business coach and say, you know, this is my challenge because I know the industry has not done this. They're not prepared. They don't understand. They're resistant. They, they fight every step of the way. Uh, so this is going to be a mess. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, I am uniquely qualified to handle it. Yeah. It's going to be a mess. And the business coach said, so what you're telling me is, this big thing that everybody's going to need that you can do mm-hmm. in ways other people can't because of your background and all these different things. And you think you shouldn't do that. <laughs> so, uh-huh. <laughs> so you okay, don't so. head first. This is the thing that, that you just, and you know, not only do you have that business, but I wanted to mention you have a, a, a podcast the help me with HIPAA podcast. Yeah. I personally we listen to in. every episode. You and David Sims Yay! do just a fantastic job on that. Um, and so anybody in, in, in the healthcare that cares about security in, in the HIPAA space, they should be listening to you. Because if this is not something that is just you go and read the regulation and then you're done. There's constantly something coming out and you're always talking about what is at the forefront of that. Uh, yeah, our thing is you know, twofold is HIP is not about compliance. It's about patient care. Yeah. And we are about to this, this year, uh, we're at, uh, we started, so we're at seven years every single Friday. So we're about to record in April. We'll come out with our 350th episode. 
And there are some things that are, we need to go back and get rid of that old stuff, but who's got time for that? Yeah. But um, <laughs> most people do, uh, they're surprised that it's not boring. It's not. It's actually interesting and funny. <laughs> no, people can't believe it. That's what most, I cannot believe I laughed out loud at HIPAA. Yeah. Uh, but we are trying to educate and not make it a techie discussion, mm -hmm. but also, you know, it's techie people need that information too. They do. Yeah. And non-techie people need the technical information that is not explained in technical terms. Right. So we try very hard uh, always to do that. And that, you know, the regulations are not what we're worried about. To us, again, it's the regulations are just the bare minimum. Right, right. When it comes to security. So we are now more often talking general topics with a HIPAA tilt because, you know, even my company, which we do help people build and manage privacy and security programs. Mm -hmm. And we're getting... Amazing stuff outside of healthcare that you didn't even know companies did that. Right. You know, and they're small companies, you know, you start to get a thousand employees and that's not what we're geared for. You get under 500, you, you know, we're, we've got some really good stuff, uh, you know, but not the big corporations. So we try to treat it like it's something small businesses have to do. And we've always been targeting that and right. what we've built. But now, you know, there's the four of us and everybody has a, a piece of the puzzle. Yes. Uh, you know, we got two non-technical people, two technical people and in different backgrounds, but they all fit together really nicely. So it allows us to be that advisor for all different types of companies. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I actually and, got asked about that by one of my, my senior um, leaders here. Um, what, what is up with you talking to Donna Grindle again? Are we not direct competitors? And I say no, because what you do in helping small businesses build their program is not something we do. Mainly because um, I don't have the appetite for that. So I, <laughs> I am really good at going in and um, evaluating an organization, especially the bigger organizations. You know, the bigger the organization mm -hmm. actually and the more technical focus they have, uh, I'm happier there. And so I'll go yeah. in and I'll evaluate where they're at against um, the regulations and some basic standards that, that are associated with that. And I'll give them a report and walk away and, and understand that they're going to have go through their processes for fixing it. But a small company that needs that help, that real engagement on building that, um, uh, that is, that takes a, a certain, um, patience level that I, I just admire in you because I don't, mm want to do that. And, and so when people yeah. come to me and say, Hey, we need help building this program. I say, I know exactly who can help you with that. If you <laughs> want an evaluation and a report so that then you can, you know, d do your thing you know, based on other, you know, your mm -hmm. full security program. That's what I do. And, and not just me, but I mean, mm -hmm. I, I say, yeah. I say I, but I recognize that there are like 25 auditors on my team, right? <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's exactly. Um, so, I mean, we would come uh, in and, you know, yeah, we, we do them because so many people come to us and that's, that's what they think they need. Yeah. And then they get it and now, and they're like, 
there were a lot of people who cried. Yes. When we gave them and, and, and literally had somebody say, I look horrible in orange. Please tell me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and you know, there's all of this stuff. So this goes back to like 2012 and we were, we were still thinking, well, you know, we'll do some of the MSP mm-hmm. and, and this will just be an MSP that's really good at this. But over time, by 2016, I'm really out of the MSP business. By 2018, we've gotten rid of all of that. Mm-hmm. And now everything we do, we've got the podcast, we do the HIPAA boot camp. We're yeah. about to do our very first privacy security boot camp, which is your fault. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm so excited that about that. I'm so so for, for people who don't know, I was going to mention the boot camp. This is something that that you bring people in and have very intensive training on HIPAA. But there's going to be something very special this year. It's going to happen in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'll make sure that the, the links are there if you're interested in. But it is a limited set of people that it, because again, you're still going intensive. You're still focusing one on one and and taking and making that uh, you know expanding it, but but really making it um, growing from the boot camp. I think it's mm-hmm. anyone in HIPAA. Especially if you are a decision maker, especially if you are in IT and need to know why you have to satisfy certain things, and then you can kind of tailor your program for that. That is the thing that needs to happen. So, um, and I, I'm really excited that that you're doing that. Um, and we'll talk about more more about that after <laughs> it happens because, uh, yeah, they have invited me to go help with that. So, um, yeah, the uh. But but the thing about these these trainings is is that you have to have a real focus on you want each person that you come in contact to, to to learn and grow and be able to to do better the next time and also not go to jail like you said <laughs> that's the scary thing about regulations as opposed yeah. to standards is you know if you have to do for, again for example PCI one of the worst thing that happens is maybe they're not going to let you uh, process credit cards anymore. If you can't meet the standards, then it's a big problem. But that yeah. is a far cry from if you don't meet the standards, you could go to jail. That's <laughs> well, yeah. <it's, laughs> Hippas uh, does have a a referral to the Department of Justice element that has been used and. If you are found to have had malicious intent with your violations, right. it, it, there's you know there's all this legal sure. stuff, but malicious intent is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. If you knew what you were doing was wrong and you knew you were you know, then the question becomes what was your intent? And right. like in so many things, if they believe they can show malicious intent, you can get up to ten years in prison. And I think it's a $250,000 fine or something like that. So, yes, there is that element and people have gone to jail. So I would say that the folks who are listening to us now, probably not the ones that want to do malicious intent. No, probably. They're probably actually trying to do their best. So (laughs) so, don't panic. That's just some, it can happen, but only, yeah, malicious intent is a, it's a different, it's not like, oh, well, we tried and and still had a breach. Um, Although if you try and still have a breach, you're going to have OCR come knocking at your door and figure out why. You know, we're going to have a conversation. You have to show that you 
don't have malicious intent yeah. is basically what you're doing. Yeah. That you you are trying. And so we spend a lot of our time when we come into a group and maybe, I mean, even if they had just had your assessment, if it's fairly recent, we can work with that mm-hmm. and, you know, add our little secret sauce <laughs> to it. Um, but build that plan and then help them work the plan. Yeah. And that's the thing is you go, See you next time. Yep. And we say, let's work Good luck the with plan. your plan. And, but actually, you know, some, and some groups want that. Some groups want to know, tell me what it is. We have a, a cybersecurity program in place to, to meet these things, but that takes a larger organization. It's typically mm-hmm. not your, your, your smaller organizations, your small to medium businesses are typically not that, right? They need right. help because they don't know why they're not meeting the things. That, that comes into another, venture that david and i do david my co-host david sims he's a a a managing partner he's co-owner in security first it an msp in the charlotte area and my co-host on the podcast and we do the podcast in the boot camps together and we're working on a, a we have a project that kind of gotten away from us and we're totally rebooting it we're like any minute now hopefully got all the reboots ready so hopefully you guys don't have a falling out because you've got so much good going on for the people in the hippie community yeah well you know we've been at this for so long we live in we're work spouses (laughs) (laughs) but you live in very separate areas (laughs) yeah we're we're very much like very different (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, well. So, so the other thing now is David involved. The the reason that I asked you on this show, and and we haven't even talked about it yet, is four hundred five D. Yeah. So, well, let me finish. We oh, do yeah, HIPAA for MSPs. Okay. So HIPAA for MSPs dot com. You can go there, and what a big piece because you were just talking about having your own cybersecurity yeah. crew. You know, internal. Most of everybody else is going to have an MSP. Yeah. Yeah. And MSPs need to understand more than they do today. Right. There are a lot of managed service providers, um, even managed security service providers that don't understand the the specific needs of HIPAA. And so groups that are relying on an MSP, um, if they personally don't know enough about HIPAA to be able to put into the contract, put into their agreements, here's what, what I need you to do and here's how I need you to do it. Um, the knowledge has to go, has to be somewhere. So if it doesn't rely yeah. internally to the organization, it has to be with the MSP. So, um, but you have to know enough about HIPAA to know if you can rely on your MSP or not, right? So, well, so even, even when you do, here's my favorite example. I know I'm sure that when I tell you this, you'll be like, you, it's probably happened to you. You go talk to, you're talking with a business owner of a small business and you go, do you handle disaster recovery? And they say, yeah, IT does, meaning my managed service provider, right. they handle it. What, you know, you have a business continuity, disaster recovery, answer. IT handles it. You go to IT and say, what's the DRBC? And they go, we just do the backup. You're right. And a lot of people don't know that there is a a wide gap between having a backup and being able to fully recover from a disaster. And so it's these kinds of gaps in understanding that, um, that that's where we fit. Exactly. And you help kind of put those things together. So, um, Oh, 
So, 405D, yes. just moving on. I know that was like a real hard er, turn in this direction, but yeah, some days are like <laughs> Not <that>. really, <laughs> because it goes back to healthcare being the worst. Yes. So, it why is, did it, they develop 405D? You know, they had HIPAA, yeah. they've and got high tech. Where does the name 405D like, come from? Where in the, why does this, <laughs> is this just another standard? Tell me about 405D. Uh, what was the need for it? Who's putting it together? How are you involved? I know that's a lot of questions at once, but I believe in you, Donna. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see if I can keep them in order. Uh, But the Cybersecurity Act of 2015. Yes. And it had all of these elements in it, primarily focused at, in the first part, building a cybersecurity program for the government, which they basically didn't have one. Yeah. And it created the... Uh, cybersecurity, infrastructure security agency eventually came from that. There's a lot of other things that came from that. Uh, CISA, you know, that's that's the piece that helps all industries. But in that law, there was one sector sec- sectioned out. No other, nothing besides government and and federal programs to build something which we didn't have back then mm-hmm. and we're still trying to build it, you know, it's yeah. huge. And then healthcare, healthcare yeah. was down here under this miscellaneous 405 area, mm-hmm. which required an evaluation of healthcare cybersecurity standards because healthcare was su- you know, under such attack mm-hmm. already. And, you know, 2016 is when it got in my like time frame in my mind, 2016 is a turning point where it got really bad. Right. That's where we really started seeing the ransomware attacks mm-hmm. and and all of those things. So, had we been doing all the HIPAA stuff prior, right, we'd been way ahead of the curve. Clearly, that didn't happen. Nope. So, <laughs> so under four hundred five, there were several elements, and item D was to create these recommendations. They're not. A, they're not a regulation. They're not a requirement, but it's to align cybersecurity efforts in healthcare, excuse me, aligning those cybersecurity elements in healthcare to try to get this disparate sector, Mm -hmm. which is like a third of the economy, depending on how you calculate it. And it's so it's massive. And to try and say, hey, these are the things that we should be worrying about in healthcare for cybersecurity. It has nothing to do with HIPAA. It has nothing to do. It's completely optional. So it was a pretty big task yeah. to come up with something that's completely optional, meets the requirements of the whole sector, uh, can adapt to all the different sizes and types. I, I had to yeah, laugh because on the HHS site where it was talking about the 405D effort, um, one of the mm-hmm. things that they said was uh, – volunteers from private industry and government have been working tirelessly together to put this to, and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure Donna's a little tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I I started in 2019 working with the group They came out in 2018 came out with the uh, hiccup guide, Mm -hmm. which was the first thing that came out of this. And it's the health industry, cybersecurity practices. Right. And that's what HICP, but it has a big long title because. Yeah, but hiccup is cute. Let's just call it that. (laughs) Yeah. So hick, everything now is hick something. Mm -hmm. Health industry, cybersecurity. We got 
P for the practices. <laughs> we got Hick Ticker for technical crisis response we're working on. There's Hick Scrim. Mm-hmm. For supply chain risk management. Yep. So we, we big, keep big going topic. there. Yeah. To me, I look at Hiccup and I tell any business they can use this. Right. I don't care who you are mm-hmm. because it's not healthcare specific in the recommendations. It's healthcare specific in the examples it uses mm-hmm. and some of the reasoning behind it. But the concept of the original, where we all started, was five threats and then 10 recommended, uh, you know, mitigating practices. Right. Those are the 10 practices that will mitigate. If we worry about these five threats and do these 10 things, we're all going to be better off. Right. And and I actually looked up the the five threats so that people know. Um, it, I know them off the top of my oh, head. Oh, do you? What? What? Excellent. What are the five threats, Donna? <laughs> Listen to you, you pop quiz. <laughs> I seriously am doing this often. Uh, <laughs> I believe it. I know. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, how do you remember these things? I barely remember my kids' names. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because I don't have kids. I can remember yeah, things. Um, there is so much truth to yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I always, I, don't, I always say that my siblings that had children, I'm a very good aunt, mm-hmm. but I am aging much slower than they are. <laughs> So you, you got email phishing, phishing, which we also kind of roll in social engineering, mm-hmm. ransomware, theft or loss of devices, mm-hmm. insider, malicious or non-malicious loss of data, right, and then connected devices. That's and and I, I can't think of an industry that doesn't have to deal with those five things. Well, we just recorded an episode of the podcast that'll come out in a couple weeks. Uh, that we reviewed a study released by ConnectWise saying this: these are the opportunities for managed service providers. And it was talking about what are the things, and we go through that, and by the time we go through it, we're like, five threats, it covers, it, it's the five threats. Yeah. It's absolutely the five threats. So if every business focused on those five, mm-hmm. and, and don't go down tons of rabbit holes, say, I need mitigations for this, 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 and some things go across all of them. Right. So it was really, uh, you know, a great solution. And then the hiccup guide, there's a main guide that tries to be, let me explain to everybody what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's a general, uh, not technical guide at all. It talks about each of those five threats and why they're a problem and explains what they are. It's, you know, it's it's intended for anybody to pick that up and learn about those things. So again, any business could use that. Right. It, I mean, it's talking about healthcare, but that at least makes it, most people have had healthcare. They've experienced yeah. our healthcare system. <laughs> so you've got that. And then we have the 10 practices. And of course, you know, because there's a standard with the sub practices, but there are two different technical guides that take you through those. Right. So you got technical guide one, which is for the small entities, and technical guide two, which is for everybody else. Now, you can mix and match and pull things out of there. And one of the things that's often said by everybody on the task group is, if you've got nothing, I don't care what size you are. Go to small. Do that first. Exactly. Start somewhere. 
Right. Don't don't try to do everything. Just go to small because you should be able to implement those fairly quickly. And then that'll give you the foundation to do everything else. Right. It doesn't mean stop. Yeah. It means no, no, it no, it never stop. <laughs> so here's, never stop. here's another question I'll get asked is, well, I've done some 405D, so we should be good for HIPAA, right? <laughs> no. No, no. No, this is no. this is to help. There are so many organizations that haven't even started that it can be extremely overwhelming. And in the end, doing something in, in mm-hmm. cybersecurity is better than doing nothing. And so this oh, will put absolutely. your feet on the path. But it is well, not the, other thing the is, end of the path. <laughs> if you're not even if you're not even looking for the path, yeah. that's where the problem is. <laughs> and <laughs> and then you know, this kind of gives you uh, a roadmap, and and it's all cross reference to the NIST cybersecurity framework, right? Which you know now it, it got lost in COVID, but the NIST privacy framework came out. February 2020, mm-hmm. which is why no one no really one talked about, about it. Still. Everybody was busy thinking about other things. Yeah, and I think eventually it'll come back around because my vision, you know, and I'm always, where do we need to plan for? Mm-hmm. And the NIST cybersecurity framework is built into everything we've been doing for years. Yep. And then we were in the process of adding and and, and including the hiccup references hiccups already in there is just add the references to what we're doing yeah um because of the way we build things and and uh we don't just do hipaa policies and procedures and check the box right we say you've got business decisions to make Mm -hmm. and then we write the policies and procedures and we do that not only based on hipaa requirements but also how you actually have a privacy and security program right uh, and and it's pretty common for me when I'm when I am auditing a company and saying, "All right, your security practices. Sh- give me your policies." And then I'll read it, and it has nothing to do with how they actually do things. Because you know, I'll go look at configurations. I'll I'll observe processes and and you know, hook it all together. Make sure that that things are are taken care of. And and when their policies mm-hmm. have nothing to do with how they actually get things done, then, you know, there's a disconnect there. And so you've, you always yeah. got to go back and say, all right, how do you actually do this? Is this policy how you want somebody to do it and they're just not doing it? Or did you get a set of policies that you just uh-huh. stuck your name in and didn't double check and modify for you? Right. So there's, there's, um, you know, that, that complete disconnect on what is a policy for? It's not just, it's not just boring reading. <laughs> it's, no. it is what what you are supposed to do, not how you're supposed to do it. That's the procedures, but policy is w- what you're supposed to do and probably why you're supposed to do it. The intent. Yes. The intent, yes. exactly. And the procedure is how you execute that intent and Perfect. document that you are following that intent. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's exactly those things. And obviously policies and procedures are one of the 10 practices. Yeah. Having written policies so that you do it the same way every time, regardless yeah. of who's doing it, you know, yeah. that's the, the key. So, some people will say, well, we have an unwritten policy and we have unwritten pre- No, no. There's no such thing. There's no <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Document your things. Nice. And, and as much as, I mean, it's yeah. painful – uh, documentation is hard and it's not fun. It's not, it feels like it's taking away from other things, but it's important because it makes people either understand what are the decisions we're making or go to the decision makers and say, 
I need you to make a decision on this because uh, uh, as the person you've designated to write this policy, I don't have the power to say this is how we're going to do things. So I need to understand what you want done. I'll put it in this policy and then you get to approve it. So there's, there's a very much the business side is ha- needs to be involved in the development of policies and procedures, even if it's technology related. That's the business risk management side. Exactly. And then the IT side is, is the procedures. Yep. Right. And so we try to break those apart. You can't just say IT, write my policy. No. No. And uh, so all of this is is why we have the boot camp. Yeah. You know, people people leave our boot camp and I guarantee you they know two things. If they know nothing else, they know three things. They know how to spell HIPAA. Uh They know you have to document everything. Mm hmm. Know that training is without the documentation and training, everything will fail. Yeah, yep, exactly. So nothing else matters if That's you're not doing those two things. Tre- tremendous use of time, um, and and really valuable uh, for any organization that that deals with healthcare. Anything though, if you you want to have a a formal cybersecurity program, again, I'm dealing with businesses who don't. You know, I've got one group that I just had to help them do their uh, cybersecurity assessment for Lego, the toys. The toys. <laughs> okay. So everybody's going to need to do these things. And that's why I say hiccups there for everybody. Mm-hmm. But the real kicker is the high tech amendment that came out in January 2021. It was signed on January 5th. I don't know why no one's paying attention to it either. <laughs> It was signed on January 5th, and on January 5th, that high-tech amendment created a recognized security practices concept that said, well, these things are optional, but if you can prove Mm -hmm. through documentation... You got to prove it. That you... If you... You got to prove it. If you... (laughs) Through documentation that you've been following these for the previous 12 months then they have to take that into consideration when it comes to enforcement and audits. Right. Yeah, and they do. Now, we and don't we know see that. all the details yet. Right. We see that over and over again because the great thing about um, this, this HIPAA you know, thing is that when someone does have a breach and when there is a settlement, we get to hear the details about it. We get to hear why. What went wrong? Why did this happen? And and that we don't get this chance in, in a lot of the breaches out there. We don't get this insight. And so mm-hmm. healthcare um, offering this transparency can, can really give us insight into how do we correct uh, these cybersecurity errors in, um, in other industries as well. So it's all out there. Yep. People just need to read. Yeah, and so we now have our own website, which we didn't have because that amendment included NIST cybersecurity framework mm-hmm. and the 405D. Yeah. And then there's, and others, if you can prove that they, but the ones it mentions, which my lawyer friends always say, I'd rather you do the ones it mentions so I don't have to add an argument that this is what it should do. <laughs> NIST cybersecurity framework and the 405D guidelines mm-hmm are both part of the law that says these are recognized security practices. So yes, they're optional, 
But it's a carrot, not a stick. Yeah. So with this 405D website, when did that go live? We just launched it a few weeks ago. Okay. I mean, right around the beginning of the year. So it's 405D.hhs.gov. Okay. And we'll make sure that that, that link is in the, in the show notes as well. Right. But And it's got links because we're now doing more than just the hiccup guides. You can go there and download a litany of training and tools that we have available free, free, for free, free. I mean, free is great. Podcast is free and we'll give you triple your money back if you're unhappy. (laughs) But there's freely available things like you can go download a, uh, you know, a one page document It's from back, but you know, so it's PDF for each of the five threats. You can go download an executive summary document for the small entities and the medium and large. Mm-hmm. You can download what we call our S bars, which are situation. They're new situation. Bleh. Basically it says this is a big thing that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to go look it up because I'm intrigued. S bar. Well, I, I remember S bar. It's new. Uh, but what it is, it's like the log 4J. And we take that and, and evaluate the situation. Here's what this situation is. I'm not on this group. Otherwise, I would sure I would like remember what it stands sure. for. <laughs> I'm in other groups and I couldn't take on another one. But, um, but what it does is it looks at those complex things, defines the situation. It uh, defines, you know, what what's going on, what the options are. And then the R stands for recommendation. Great. Um, it's the B and the A. I got nothing. And, on, and the, which the I, nice thing about these, crap on that. <laughs> the nice thing about about these is it's a good place for businesses can can um, download these things, read the information, and it's at a level where it it provides them a way to talk to their technology people about what needs to mm-hmm. be in place and why. Where sometimes that language is is hard to to find, you know. How, right. how does how does the business talk to the tech side of things and vice versa? And and these um, the documentation that I found on 405D uh, actually is super supportive of that. So um, I recommend it to people. Absolutely, that's our intent. Yeah, that's why the technical volumes are there for the people who can have those technical conversations. Yeah, great. But you know the S bar tries to tie the two together. We have regular 405D posts where we're all writing articles mm-hmm. and and providing uh, different kinds of reference and information about the task group and what we're doing and right. how you know you can use some of these things. I'm currently involved. We have all of these different groups. I'm on Wave One, and we're we're doing some really cool stuff. And then there's Wave Two, and we're hopefully going to be able soon you don't know when i feel certain it'll be this year an update to the technical volumes great and and potentially a little to the we're not changing the five threats they're still but uh you know adding more detail and and adapting to the changes coming I mean, 2018 to now you know there's a lot of change there are yeah so we're doing that we're building you know the hick ticker which came out during covid is getting updates. There's a, a resource management one that that's a team that's working on it, and um, and then I'm in the ambassador group as well. So uh, trying to do things like this. I'm so happy so, that you that you took the time today. 
I am so happy that you agreed to put up with me again. <laughs> and because <laughs> it's a roll of the dice, you it's, don't know you what know, you're going to get. That's fine. I mean, I'm going to make you buy me a whiskey later, but. Honestly, I could talk to you for for quite a few hours, but I think this is a good time to to wrap it up and and send people, make sure that the the links are there so they can go find out more information. And um, I think that that what you offer is just tremendous. The the 405D program as well um, as as what you do personally for your your podcast and your your boot camp. But uh, again, thank you, Donna. And I hope to talk to you again in the near future. Oh, you will certainly have to suffer through that. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us again today on the Security Metrics Podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. I sure did. Donna Grindle is fantastic. Please look her up. And also, go take a look at the 405D program. I think there will be a lot of value in it for you. Take care. Thanks for watching. To watch more episodes of Security Metrics Podcast, click on the box on the left. If you prefer to listen to this podcast, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. See you on the slopes.